on the viewpoint. 21.06, we have an adjusted version of the African narrative. We're fitting in two stories this evening, so please indeed, well, we're fitting one story, frankly. This is a carryover because we only have two shows in a week. We almost have to squeeze in those four after nine slots into two. So this is part one of the post nine o'clock discussion first up would be the traditional hashtag the african narrative is it black tax is it family obligation mr stella magnoni is on the line master's graduate at ukzn and director at stavi enterprise he researched the family obligation in black households and familial intergenerational support and also examined the experience of students and whether they identified it as burdensome or an ethical imperative if you like, Ubuntu, the ethos of his research is that you need to understand family obligation in terms of where it begins and ends as it adds value to individuals' lives. He found in the course of his research that intergenerational support or family obligations, as it were, is considered an ancient practice that has somehow become entrenched as a tradition that is passed down from one generation to another to keep families intact. Your thoughts on that, everybody else at home, I will certainly do welcome, but let's give an opportunity to our guest, Mr. Stello Magnoni, an opportunity to unpack his findings. Stello, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, hi, how are you? Good, man. How's it? Oh, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. Hmm, this is interesting. <laughs> it, 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 it is Indeed interesting. <laughs> intergenerational, intergenerational support, family yeah. obligation, and ancient practice, entrenched as a tradition that is passed down from generation to the other and apparently a healthy thing. Elaborate on that, please. Yeah, so the thing is, you know, when you grow up in the the back township, you know, uh, there's always that one particular individual who always goes back back at home just to assist within the family, you know. So we grow up with this narrative or having having that idea. This is is, is how we live. Uh, This is us, black African we assist each other. So, so the project started from that anchor for that particular individual within the community that has been passed on from one generation to another generation, you know. Because uh, someone asked, in fact, someone asked me, so like, how we came up with the topic, you know. Then I, I told them, listen, I was born in Pratt and you see. Uh, so I knew, like, asking each other within the house was something normal. Uh, and I used to be fascinated to see that anchor or a stranger, a family member, holding plastic, you know, mommy, how we live, you see. From there, I told myself, you know what, when I grow up, I need to work. Uh, I need to be that family, uh, that particular family member who take care of the family. Then, then fast forward to, to my first day at UKSN. I remember we were having a discussion uh, within a, a class, you know, around family application. And then someone shouted, black text. And then everyone kind of approved the term. And they asked us, what is black text? I then found out that the, the practice that are always known as the common norm amongst black households and is now called a tax. You know? So it, it was, that's where they decided to embark on that chain to address the misconception and the delusion around the, 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 the process of black tax. Let's call it whatever it is. <laughs> Should it not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where at what point do we release, if you like? I'm, I'm not at all commenting on the reality of many South African households. Yeah. I always say this. Let me use myself as an example. Mm. I want to do whatever it takes necessary to ensure that from me, if it mm. is the end, then it does indeed 
become the end that my resources move yeah. laterally or worse up mm. i want to be in a position where in good time through my life's efforts my resources mm. descend so as to make it that much easier for generations after me if i'm so blessed to equally follow on that pattern because it will obviously release them that much earlier in life mm. to explore themselves and to explore their world mm. and with respect make it that much easier to accumulate their independence and stability and all that comes with resources now that obviously challenges the very notions of family obligations or black mm. tax as colloquially referred to mm. yeah the thing is i think we need to go back in terms of like like where we were right now and so like how we come this far you know because remember as black african we're the only uh only racial group that who was kind of uh, not given equal opportunities or resources as other races with other races you know so you become the first uh, generation or you know, the first individual to test that virtue you know of being successful of being of being working you know so you need to go back uh, back at home and then assist wherever you can you know I see that that, that nephew, I see that sibling to go to school in order for you, in order for that nephew to assist you in terms of like, if you were contributing within the family, like maybe you contribute a thousand bucks. If you assist the particular nephew or sibling because he's now, he's now working, instead of you contribute a thousand, now uh, maybe a 500 friend because we are now assisting each other, you see. So it become a black tech when there's pressure, when you are forced. You know, to, to go out with your resources, that's when it becomes a tech. That's what I found within my family. I'm not saying what it is, but I'm saying that's what I found within my funding, you know. Might it not, in effect, in itself be a somewhat of a misnomer that mm. it is referred to as black tax? I mean, that black tax characterization mm. to that extent is does exclude, if you like, the white establishment, yeah. the white obligations or the white culture that on a similar um, analysis becomes a sense of black tax. To what extent is the really the question, do we find a similar approach to communal living or familial living mm. and related family obligations and responsibilities in the non-black establishments and cultures and spaces? I, I think it also goes back to like to the apartheid regime, you see, because for whites they don't have what is called black tax. Instead, they have what is called intergenerational wealth, you know. So if uh, like uh, most of most of the of the white individual right now, they have their own business, like huge firm, you see. So they take a particular a particular family member can be charged with those or anyone. So they kind of teach them to like, you know this is how you're supposed to do it. So instead, when that particular child, or maybe like the, the, the father, the dad of the company pass on, the same child will take over the company. You know, and another thing will happen is whenever those uh, those children go to varsity, they already have the status of like whenever they go to varsity, there's already a car, it's already a house. You know, there's already been like a budget or a man that's been saved up. This is the third the child. Listen, they need to, there's nothing to be worried about. There's, not, there's no need to go back and assist within the family. We'll take care of you if you want to marry. Let us know. We gave you a run up front. Maybe we'll have to in terms of like 50%. We'll pay another 50%. So they have that uh, intergenerational wealth because already, even from the beginning, they never strike it as we strike it uh, as black people. So they tell me that the racial group, the racial name is the black because after the certain, uh, certain racial group. So that's why it doesn't, inc- it doesn't include uh, the, the, the white individual. 
because we're the only one, uh, we're the, the, the only uh, Rishai people who was affected by, uh, by the apartheid. To the extent that you can say that, how much of your research or how much of that statement or those statements is informed by your research? I would say like most like 80% of my participants. In other words, 80% of the people you engaged said that they mm-hmm. don't have these obligations called black tax and, because, and, and they were white, is that it? No, no, I'm saying like 80% because like much, not like majority, but all of my individuals were, were black individuals, you know. So at school, I think we only have uh, less than a percent of white individuals. Less than a percent. So for me, it's, which was one of the manifestations of my study, because I couldn't kind of find or conduct my study around white individuals because we have a certain percentage of white. The entire campus, maybe we have like one white person, and my study yes. was based. No, the reason why I was actually asking is I wanted to understand how much of what you are saying is predicated mm-hmm. on your engagements with mm-hmm. white persons. I, I didn't want it to leave it there without yeah, actually yeah. engaging the depth of it. So I think for the most part we can agree to the extent that you mentioned whites do not have the so-called black tax and they have inherited mm-hmm. companies. For the most part between me and you mm-hmm. from what you have said is assumptions and speculations. Not just assumptions based on what we have read. Because another thing, the reason why I embark on the change to about black text, because there's great literature and, uh, on, on black text. There's nothing written more about black text, you know. So for me, just exploring that. But based on what I have read so far and the articles I've found online, that's what has been said, other than my participants telling me, oh, based on my assumptions, but what I have been, re- been reading. You know, and I even said on my study, not interviewing a white individual or white individual is one of my limitations. Mm. You know, because I wanted to hear that side of the story. We can't base our finding on assumptions. Yes. You know, we need to interview the person and hear what they have to say. Very well. Let's engage the immigrant community from outside of the South African borders, particularly mm. still on the African continent, because I do understand from Sierra Leone, Kenya, and Mozambique, mm-hmm. you did have similar discussions with them. What mm. were the odd things or some of the interesting things that you found from those participants who come from outside the country but from within the continent, which become therefore nuanced in the context of this conversation of black tax? Uh, it's more like the same, although to them there's added pressure on them, you see, because whenever they go back home, they always need to buy gifts, you know. For, for for them, not only like for their parents, but for the entire family as well. And after that, they need to contribute a certain amount uh, at the month end, you see. So for them, I, I remember I had one participant, who I think he based in Mozambique. He even stressed out to me and said, this is right. For me, like I no longer, I no longer buy gifts for everyone. Instead, what I do is, my gift buying is now limited to my thoughts. Because for me, it doesn't make sense cause, to, to buy for everyone. Because back at home, they have this notion that since I'm working in SA, so the the run is stronger than, than our current, you know. So whatever I make is when I come there, I'm like I'm able to afford whatever they need, you know. So it's more the same, but at the same time, there's added pressure on them. Fantastic. Thank you so much for those rather interesting insights there, Mr. Stelo Magnoni, who has researched at master's level at the University of KwaZulu-Natal, family obligation in black households and familial intergenerational support. I'm sure many of you have views on that, so next time do please ensure that you engage. For now, Stelo, for your time, sir, thank you so much. 
Okay, thank you very much for having me. Indeed, 2118, let's take a short ad break before we have our final discussion this evening. And it's a question of your rights when engaging legal assistance. The CEO of the Legal Practitioners Fidelity Fund, Mr. Motlatsi Mulefe, will soon join us on the line.